Hello, and welcome to Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Joshua Dell. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, therapist, and host of the show. The goal for this podcast is to help you gain a better understanding of the mind. To do this, we're going to discuss different topics, and everything is going to revolve around the three major concepts that are in with mental health, meaning the biological, psychological, and social processes of the mind. We're going to talk about different topics that relate to mental health and society and all the things that you can do to help better yourself and the people around you. So welcome back to Mental Maps. My name is Josh. I'm so glad that you have taken the time out to to be with me today. I know that this is definitely a difficult time for so many people, and I'm honored that you chose to listen to this in whatever season this finds you in. So today, a major focus of the podcast is the concept of hopelessness. Uh, Right now, this podcast is being recorded in September, and so September is Suicide Awareness Month. It's a big month within mental health as so many organizations kind of go across the world creating a better understanding about suicide and all the things that are related to suicide and creating that awareness about just being here and living another day. And so I thought, what a great opportunity to really sit down and discuss the concept of hopelessness, uh, because there is such a huge connection between hopelessness and someone taking their own life. And so what we're going to do today is just really break down what is hopelessness, how it manifests itself psychologically, what it looks like socially and the impact that society has on hopelessness. And also use a a sprinkle of neuro to kind of understand what's going on a little bit in the brain, as well as some skills you can take ahead uh, to use not only with yourself, but maybe the people in your life. So what is hopelessness? I think to understand hopelessness, we got to understand the word itself. So using hope and hopelessness, that's an English word. Hope, if you look up the definition of hope, is a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. Uh, Another definition is a feeling of trust. And so with hope, there is this belief that something is going to happen and you trust that this thing is going to happen. And so hopelessness, with that root word of hope, is that absence of that. So there is not a desire of trust, a feeling of trust. So if you look up the definition of hopelessness, it'll say a feeling state of despair or lack of hope. Now, I personally believe hopelessness is much more intricate than that. Uh, There are so many different concepts that lay within the term hopelessness and how that manifests itself within so many people. And so when we understand hopelessness, we've got to see what is it in the brain? What is it for someone? And and I think this this is such an important concept within hopelessness is that it's much more than just being sad or depressed. There's many people, and I see them in clinic, and I know so many clinicians, I've seen them most of my career, of people who are just down. We say that they're low. So they may have low energy, they may have low motivation, they may just kind of have like a maybe a negative mindset, um, may feel like they're not kind of worthless, that type stuff. But there isn't that hopelessness for many of those people. They're just feeling really down. They're sad. They may have crying spells. They can't get out of bed. They may not shower. They may not do these things. But for many of these people, there's not hopelessness. When you move into hopelessness, that is this state that things are not going to get better. That I do not expect the current state that I am in is going to improve. 
And I know right now in this current time of September 2020, there are many people that may experience a lack of hope. There is so much turmoil within the social injustice with this pandemic and when's it going to end that they, there may be this absence or this decrease in your hope. And so understanding what that looks like for you and when it becomes more than just this emotion and becomes somewhat what we call pathological, which could lead to maybe behaviors that are not positive, And we'll discuss those later on. So where can hopelessness kind of breed itself at? Um, There's this belief that hopelessness can really come from different concepts in the human mind. And so psychologically, that can come from maybe this lack of purpose. So these, you know, maybe you have no direction. You feel like there's, you're going nowhere. There's nothing kind of leading you in any way in your life. And so with that, there is no hope that things are going to get better. Uh, for some people, they may think that they're, you know, not worth being here. And so there's this worthlessness or that they're unhelpable. Many times in clinic, we'll see people who hopelessness and helplessness kind of go together, meaning that not only do I not feel like things are going to get better, but I also don't believe that I am either worth helping or that people around me will help me or could help me because maybe I'm, I'm broken or all those different things. And the reason that hopelessness can cause such profound issues and how it kind of becomes more of just an emotion is hopelessness is kind of a way that people will begin to see the world. So as we perceive life, our brain does a great job of taking in information and then attaches emotion and then attaches thoughts with these, um, these things that we're experiencing. We've talked about this in other podcasts. And that is how we kind of generate everything in our life, how emotions are generated, how thoughts are generated as we consume the things around us. Hopelessness is kind of like putting some sunglasses on your brain, some really dark sunglasses. And so as you consume everything in the world, it is mostly pessimistic, very negative, nothing's good, a lot of dysfunctional thinking. And so it's how we see the world on a day-to-day basis when you are in hopelessness. And now hopelessness begins to dictate how we perceive our life. Very similar as with depression and we're feeling really sad and down, many people can believe to kind of see something positive. Maybe they're like, man, if I could just make more money, I would feel better. Or maybe if my uh, girlfriend would come back, I would feel better. Or maybe if my husband would come home more, I would feel better. All those different things that kind of go within that. But with hopelessness, it doesn't matter what's going on. You can give someone who is hopeless a million dollars and they will not feel better. You can give someone who is hopeless whatever they would like in their life, but they can't even tell you usually what they would like because they don't believe anything is good. They don't believe anything is better. Their view of the world is completely distorted on the basis that they don't believe anything can help them and that things are going to be helpful to them. And so for as we kind of think about this, we have these people who, and you may be experiencing this right now, you're going around and everything is negative. Now we also, we know that there's so much negative kind of going on in our society right now, but everything is negative. Someone could look at you and say, man, you, you look like you're losing weight and in your mind, you can't even see it. Or they may say to yourself, somebody may come up to you and say, Hey, good work on that project at work today. And you can't see it. 
Now, many of us may have that experience where we kind of discount our thoughts, but this is perpetual. It's in all aspects of your life. There is an absence of hope, an absence of trust that things are going to be better. And so socially, what does hopelessness look like? And I think that in social and society, we've kind of seen hopelessness become something that we begin to talk about. For a long time, hopelessness was not discussed in, in many circles. You didn't really hear about hopelessness. You hear about those core emotions. I may feel sad or I may feel happy or I may feel angry. But hopelessness was kind of sitting over on the side doing its own thing. And no one really understood it or talked about it. And, and I think what's made it so interesting is that Unfortunately, we have found ourselves in the midst of a crisis in mental health that is connected to hopelessness. The statistics for suicide are astounding, not only in America, but in many other countries uh, of the industrialized world. And, and, And those suicides are just terrible because they're all preventable. And I think the the most recent research was anywhere between three hundred and or maybe eight hundred thousand people die of suicide every year. Eight hundred thousand people that chose to take their own life, many who were hopeless. And so, understanding that socially we now have this behavior that is an indicator and a manifestation of what hopelessness looks like when it goes untreated. There's a a theory that's talked about in certain areas that discusses that behaviors that we see socially, so behaviors that manifest themselves in other people and that we'll kind of see across a community, set somewhat subconsciously, meaning that it's not this conscious behavior that we understand. Rather, it's sitting up underneath in the brain, and it's not really something we think about every day. It's not something that's on our mind, but it's something that's there. Uh, there's a great book uh, called We Are All Crazy, and it kind of talks about the concept of global health. And, and it's believed that in different societies across the world, that behaviors are kind of put into us by the community. And so, there, and in this theory that kind of talking about hopelessness, is that within our society, for whatever reason, in Now, I don't fully agree with this, but just to kind of bring up a theory to kind of give a better understanding, that it's believed that we as a society have created this behavior, this way to show I'm hopeless, and that is suicide or self-harm. And that is how we have done it. And so when someone begins to feel hopeless, they really don't know what to do. Subconsciously, their brain kind of begins to say, you know what, I'm just going to take my own life. Now, I would move farther into that, and we're going to discuss this later on, that the brain is actually making a conscious decision because it's ran out of options. But I think it's important to know that we as a society have created uh, an environment for a long time, up until now, where mental health wasn't talked about. And so then from there, we have seen suicide rates slowly increase, slowly increase, and then this massive jump, and it's kind of understanding why. And that's where awareness is so important in society. I think there's so many groups that do so many good things, uh, like To Right Love on Her Arms and uh, the Suicide uh, Prevention Foundation and all these different people who go around the world 
kind of creating awareness about suicide and how to stop it. Because there are places in the world that suicide doesn't exist. And if it does, it's very small. In many cultures, in many um, religious places, in many tribes in other parts of the world, we don't see suicide like this, like we do in in our country. Yet, there are countries that there is a profound suicide rate, and we don't understand why. For example, uh, there's a small country in South America that sits right near Venezuela called Guyana. And in Guyana, they have a kind of a, a suicide crisis going on where women are choosing to walk out into the street and they'll set themselves on fire. And no one really understands why. Why are women who were in distress and who are feeling hopeless choosing to show themselves socially that this is how they do it? And so there's a lot of research that needs to be done there as well as other parts of the world to kind of understand, one, why it's happening there, and two, how could it be relatable to what we're seeing here? And so... I think one of the reasons that hopelessness has led to this is hopelessness is a state of mind because it, it dictates your perceptions and how we see the world, but it's also an emotion, meaning it's something that we feel. You feel that numbness that exists within hopelessness. And hopelessness, I believe, is the only emotion that is the same across the domain. So, for example... When some people are happy, they're very peaceful and they kind of just sit over the side and they're very calm. Where, uh, where other people are very happy, they're very excited and they're almost euphoric and they're running around and doing things. Same thing for sadness. Some people get sad and they get really angry and agitated. While other people get sad and get really down and just kind of lay in bed all day and they don't want to do anything. Hopelessness, on the other hand, is the same across the board. Because you do not believe things are going to get better. And you have that numbness and that, that lack of trust that things will be better. And I think that's what's made it to where we now have this generalized behavior for this thought, this state of mind, and this emotion. And and within that, I think that creates a better understanding because we can identify the risk factors, but we've yet to be able to kind of intervene as effectively as we would like to, I think, as a society and as a community. So we have this hopelessness this state of mind, this emotion. It's dictating the way the person is perceiving the entire world. They may believe that they're unhelpable. They may believe they're not worth being helped. They may have just a lack of purpose. And the glasses of their world are distorted. And then we move into this place where socially we have been given maybe behaviors that show how we're feeling hopeless. And that leads us to being at risk for maybe harming ourselves and other, and maybe doing some things that we would be very harmful to us. So, neurologically, where does this come from? Like, like how does this show up in the brain, and what does this look like? So, I think the most important thing is that there are some new research that's coming out about understanding hopelessness a little bit better, and we're dictating that through victims of suicide. So there's some different research studies that have occurred and are going on currently examining the brains of people who have died by suicide. And and what they've seen is that, um, for example, a a study done by Van Harlan and colleagues found that people who died by suicide had abnormal areas, specifically in the prefrontal cortex, which is in the front of your brain, that is involved in emotion regulation and decision-making. So for these people who died by suicide in this study, they had abnormal areas of how to regulate emotion and then also within their decision-making processes. Now, 
within that study, they didn't, they weren't able to make the distinction of was this due to maybe the mental illness? Was this due to other things? Either way, they know that this kind of occurred. It's been replicable within other studies that has found that people who died by suicide had those abnormalities within the brain. There's also a study completed and out of Ottawa that kind of looked at the concept of hopelessness and where was hopelessness in the brain. And this researcher believed that hopelessness really set within the midline of the brain, which not to get super technical and boring within that, but what's really interesting in that is that area of the brain is really involved in daydreaming. It's involved in sleeping. It's involved in just kind of our hanging out, not really doing a lot. And so there's hyperactivity during that time. And so he wasn't able to make a lot of, of in, a lot of hypothesis about that, but it, it's believed that maybe those circuits in the brain maybe change the way someone is thinking and those changes in thought then lead to you maybe having, being at risk of hurting yourself. Either way, neurologically, we know that when someone gets depressed, the brain changes completely. We know there can be markers of inflammation in the brain. We know that different neurotransmitters in the brain, the way that the brain's talking changes. We know it can be abnormal. We know that the brain, if you look at postmortem brains of people who've committed suicide, some of those brains maybe have like a decrease in density. I mean, there's a lot of different changes that occur. And so I think there's a great need to understand it more because it dictates the way treatment is provided, both pharmacologically as well as therapy-wise. And so how does hopelessness, I think, in the brain lead to suicide? And I think there's a huge connection within this. And this kind of moves past like the the technical terms and more into kind of understanding what the brain's doing. So we've talked about in other podcasts before that the brain is on a a constant journey of something called allostasis, the ability to kind of just, if change did happen, it's able to respond, but it's at a constant And so it's able to respond within that. When hopelessness occurs, the brain is continuing to try to figure out the problem, trying to say, what is going on? How can I fix this? Because there is dissonance within it. Because we are not wired to feel hopeless. We're not wired to feel this way. And the brain knows that. And so other areas of the brain are trying to figure out what to do. And I think what can happen many times is hopelessness goes on and goes on and it gets worse and worse and we're not getting any form of treatment, the brain can then begin to say, okay, I have a self-destruct button. If I can't figure anything else out, I at least can end this despair on my own. It's almost as if your computer just said, I can't fix the virus on this anymore, so I'm just shutting down and it just shuts down. Now, I know there's a lot of intricacies within that, but I think to realize that for someone to get to a place to take their own life, their brain has ran out of all the options of how things will get better. And that in itself is hopelessness. Because no one wakes up one day with options of galore and a healthy brain and says, I'm going to kill myself today. It is a perpetual issue that has occurred over time that the brain has continued to work on and try to find that peace or at least a solution to the problem, and it doesn't come anymore. And, it, and I think it's so important to realize and remember, it has nothing to do with weakness. It has nothing to do with being broken or abnormal or stupid or, or a baby or whatever slang terms we want to use. It has to do with 
our brain is to a point where it doesn't believe there is anything that can make it better. And so it's going to hit the self-destruction button and end it. That's a very scary place to be. And that's why it is so important for we as humans and, and we as people in society to intervene and do something. Um, we know that there, as we've talked about before or earlier, hopelessness shows behaviors. Behaviors are going to begin to seep out over time. And I've very rarely ever heard of a case of someone who maybe commits suicide and there wasn't something, there wasn't an indicator to someone in their life that something was wrong. Many times they just didn't pick up on it because they can be so subtle, especially if maybe their personality is a little bit more reserved. They may not say a lot. They may kind of stay to themselves. Those, those people can really fly under the radar and the next thing you know, you have this issue. But hopelessness has behaviors and they will come out. And so there are warning signs that I think are so important that we as humans take with us to not only check in with ourselves, but check in with the other people around us. So when you look at those warning signs, you begin to think, okay, what is someone going to say that may indicate that they're feeling like hurting themselves and they they are at risk for suicide? And so what research has shown us is that people that talk about killing themselves, people that just really feel like, you know what, nothing's going to get better. I can't can't find any reason to get better. I have no reason to live would be maybe a compliment or a comment they would say. They may feel like a burden to themselves or to other people. They may feel trapped, which is a concept of hopelessness. They don't feel like things are going to get better and they have no way out. Or they may just have this unbearable pain. And I know like, you may think, oh my gosh, I've heard someone say that, oh my gosh, nothing's ever going to get better. What do I do? You just check in. Because just because that person may seem like the strongest, mentally capable person you know, who never has anything to say, does not mean that person isn't at risk for harming themselves. And if you're hearing those words, I'm feeling very hopeless right now. I don't think things are ever going to get better. And I know that's something that many of us may have even said during this time. And that doesn't mean everyone's at risk for suicide in that regard, but it means that we need to check in with ourselves and see where that's coming from and where that hopelessness exists. Because once again, hopelessness is not a state of mind that is normal. That is something that we all perceive and can, can and that are wired to do. So those are things that people may say. So what would people may do? What would people who are feeling hopeless and may find themselves at risk of suicide be doing? You may see that person that's increasing their use of alcohol or drugs. So maybe you're out at, at happy hour and on you know you're seeing frequently that that person's kind of going above and beyond what they normally consume at happy hour, or they're they're or they're drinking more than a bottle of wine or two bottles or three bottles, and it's very abnormal behavior. It's like okay, something's going on here. Uh, they may start looking for ways, so they're kind of searching online methods. So they, uh, you may pull up their Google search and may ways to kill yourself or um, how fast can someone die, those types of things. They may withdraw from activities, so they may not uh, want to be involved in, in things, whether it be virtually uh, because of the pandemic or maybe just getting out and doing things and maybe kind of ghosting everyone that they know. They may isolate from their family and friends, so it's the people that may not answer their phone when you call. They may not be uh, active on the on social media if they're always on there. It's things that are baseline normal for them that are not abnormal now. 
They may be abnormalities in sleeping, so it's the person that may not be coming into work because they're sleeping too much, or they're not sleeping enough, they're staying awake all night, which is a, uh, a tr- an indicator of depression, which depression can lead to hopelessness, when hopelessness leads to suicide. They may start visiting people or calling people and saying goodbye. So maybe those, uh, maybe a different encounter where you have a buddy who calls and says, hey, I just wanted to say that I love you, and um, I hope everything's okay with you. And if I don't see you again, you know, I, I love you. That's a really abnormal comment from someone. And so that would maybe be an indicator that they're feeling hopeless. They may start giving away some possessions. So they may just kind of start dropping off um, belongings that they want or start giving away those things. They may see, may see some aggression from those people, just really angry, may feel very fatigued. And I know some of these behaviors may seem kind of abnormal. Like, why would somebody just call me and say that? Or why would somebody just drop off, uh, you know, maybe their favorite baseball or maybe their uh, pictures of us? Well, I mean, why would someone do that? That is a true indicator of it. But then there are those subtle things, the person that's having a little too, bit too much to drink or the person that maybe is just sleeping a little bit more than usual and it's kind of going on. Definitely something to check in on. And so with mood-wise, you begin. You can see that depression, so the sadness, the feeling down, maybe feeling very anxious or nervous. Um, they may have like kind of a loss of interest in things. So maybe they, you know, the things that they once really enjoyed to do, it's kind of gone now. Maybe irritable. They may have some shame, so they just feel like they're not worthy and not good. May see some anger, and then the big one is that with some you see someone who's feeling really down. They're they're kind of not doing well, or there's just something wrong with them, and then out of the middle of nowhere, boom, all of a sudden they have this relief and sudden improvement. And there's been no treatment, there's been no help, out of the middle of nowhere, they're good. That is a true, true indicator that maybe someone has decided to take their own life now. So what do you do? What do you do if you have someone who's saying those things are doing those things, are presenting with those behaviors. Because socially we know what that's going to look like. Socially we know that this can lead to behaviors that we have seen in society that is the heightened, which is taking your own life. So what do you do? The main thing you do is create conversation and ask. There used to be this, man, terrible myth that if people, if you ask someone about suicide, that then meant they were they were at higher risk to kill themselves. We know that's garbage. That that is a truly debunked. That people who are suicidal, who that no one talks to them and checks in with them, are at much higher risk of committing suicide. And just because you say, "Hey, man, you know, are, are you kind of feeling like killing your or hurting yourself right now?" does not mean that person will say, "Well, you know, I wasn't thinking that before, but now all of a sudden that sounds like a great idea." Thank you. That's not how that works. Because remember, that behavior comes out of a thought of hopelessness. And hopelessness leads to that, maybe that self-destructive thought of, I have no other options. So we check in. You ask, hey man, how are you doing? Or, hey girl, what's going on right now? Uh, I've noticed things have been a little bit different with you. And create that conversation. And don't be afraid to talk about it. Just because you talk to someone does not mean you do something about it behaviorally because talking alone is doing something about it. 
I know many people who are afraid to ask those questions because they don't know what to do with it. And the main thing is to know is that there are hotlines that exist. There are ways to get people treatment. And to do that, you've got to create that opportunity for that conversation. So ask, talk, check in with people. If you, you know, if you're someone that's kind of in that place where you're feeling down and and you've came to a place where you just don't know how things are going to get better, you just don't know how things could improve in your life, check in with yourself. Check in with your people. Reach out. There are so many avenues for help, um, whether it be through hotlines, whether it be through community mental health centers, whether it be therapists, whether it be medication, whatever that looks like. Because if you are starting to have these feelings and these thoughts, you are at risk. And you're worth being here. Your life is worth living. And I know that that may be hard to see right now, but there is a a huge need to intervene early before it gets out of control. I think to kind of come back to something real quick, um, when you're talking to someone who is in that hopelessness state, and contemplating suicide, telling them just to get up and buck up and keep going isn't going to help them. Because remember, this is a brain abnormality. No one woke up and said, I wanted to be hopeless today. This has occurred over time. And so just to say, well, you know what, it's going to be okay. Let's just go out and take a walk. or Let's just go for a run, buck up, and kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's not going to work. Or sitting there and just telling them all the things that are great may not be helpful to them. Because remember, hopelessness has created a way they view the world. You can tell them all the great things in the world. But for some people, hopelessness keeps them from seeing that. And just continuously telling them things are going to be okay because things are great and and maybe there's all these different reasons that you should stay alive may not be helpful. It may be more serious than that. But for some people it is. For some people it's just saying, hey, this is is what's worth living for. Can you identify what's worth living for? Because what's worth living for for you and what's worth living for for someone else can be two completely different things. And the goal for someone who is hopeless is to find something worth living for. And that in itself is the goal of treatment. And even if you've got everything in the world, it doesn't mean your brain can see what's worth living for. So when we have those conversations, check in with yourself. Check in with how you're being able to intervene with them and how these people respond to what you're saying. Because that is a true indicator of it. So if there's someone, you know, if you're in that place of hopelessness and and you're not feeling well, call the hotline. There's a a suicide hotline that exists in in the United States. And 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's people there 24-7, 365. Call. Reach out. Don't allow your brain in this moment, to self-destruct. Because there are options. Your brain just can't see them right now. And it's not your fault. 
It's not anyone's fault. It's just where you're at and where your brain's at and it's not well. So as we are in this pandemic and in this just really tumultuous time of 2020, check in with yourself. And if you start seeing some of those indicators that you're drinking a little bit too much or that you're you maybe feeling a little bit more hopeless or you're feeling like a burden or trapped, reach out. Reach out to your social group. Reach out to the to maybe people online in the in the social settings. I, I mentioned earlier a group called Two Right Love on Her Arms. There are so many people involved with that group. They have a great website. Google them. Check them out. They're on social media. Um, there's therapies that you can do from your home. Things like um, Headspace and uh, and different things like that. So reach out and do that. So hopelessness is a heavy thing. Uh, hopelessness is is an emotion that leads to someone hurting themselves. Doesn't mean everybody that's hopeless is going to hurt themselves, but it does mean that everybody that's hopeless can't hurt themselves. Because when our brain gets to that place of feeling like nothing's going to get better. It can move to a place where it just says, I'm going to take my own life because I don't know any other way out. So hopelessness, a state of mind, a way of perceiving the world. If you're in it, reach out. If you see someone that you think's in it, reach to them. And just know that there are so many ways to intervene and stop a terrible, terrible behavior, which is suicide. Because remember, suicide is only a behavior. Suicide is not an emotion. It's not a state of mind. Even though we say someone's suicidal, that's a behavior. Suicide is a result of things going on in the brain, particularly the state of mind of believing that nothing can get better. So I hope that you can take this in this month, and not just in September, but in all 12 months, all 365 days of the year, that we're aware, that we're aware around the people around us, whether it be our family, our friends, our coworkers, our, our kids, whoever's in your life, you're reaching out to them, you're checking in with them, you're creating this conversation because we can change not only someone being hopeless, but I believe if we look at that theory that we spoke about earlier about society and that we may generate behaviors for people to feel hopeless, what if we as a society and this generation of people can change how people choose to show that they're hopeless. What if we can get to a place where when people are hopeless, the first thing they do is reach out for help? Because for most people, for other illnesses, that's what happens. You get a cold, more most people go to the go to a doctor, go to a provider. If you have any other issue, you may check out. And go do something to get in, to get help. 
It's the same thing for hopelessness. We can change the way that we have these behaviors. And these risk factors, these things that may lead people to suicide, can be nipped way before it ever gets to a place of someone harming themselves. So I know this is a much heavier topic today, but I think it's something that's been on my mind a while. It's something that, unfortunately, I think we all as mental health providers see. I think, unfortunately, most people in this world know somebody. And then, of course, we know all of the celebrities and, and the people within pop culture that unfortunately have taken their own life. And so I think it's, a, it's something that's really important especially in this month, especially in this year of 2020, especially in this season that we are in, to be aware of these emotions, to be aware of the things that are going on, and to create this change so that suicide is not the behavior that people choose to show that they are not feeling well. Thank you for listening. Take this knowledge. Take it with you. Use it. Let's create some change. And uh, peace be with you.